0: So let's welcome Randy as he comes to share with us today well it is definitely my pleasure to be here I've known the Kirkpatricks as, as Alan said for a number of years their family and uh, we've had some had some pretty good adventures together so I, I don't know how we, we flew a, a number of number of times I hadn't had an had airplane there we flew out to Dallas for a thing and I think I did more instrument approaches with, with Alan and Alan and Michelle. So it just like it was always the weather, so you're breaking out of the clouds. On an instrument approach, you're descending at 500 feet a minute, and you need to break out of the clouds. Minimum is 200 feet above the ground. So, so we were pretty close to minimums there in Van Nuys at one time. So, uh, so it was good. I, I, think, I think they were there then just because God knew I needed, I needed prayer. Uh, still, still do. Um, we we are, are are living in in these uh, um, pretty extraordinary days and, and uh, unprecedented times. It's going to have a. It, it already has, but it's going to have a tremendous effect on the church. You look at this next generation, uh, even the pre-next generation coming into. The church, or being part of culture, it really is going to place some uh, interesting challenges on on the church, um, unprecedented, never done before. We, we never experience a culture quite like we've experienced, and that's not really my message. My message is going to be on on how that affects the church, what we're called to do. Well, the calling really hasn't changed, uh, and. One of the things we need to remember is the Bible wasn't written in a Judeo-Christian uh, culture. It was written in, the, in an oppositional culture the vast majority of, of time, and written to people who were going through and confronting an oppositional culture. So um, we have uh, we've seen tremendous tremendous change in our culture, whether it's uh, whether it's media or politics. Uh, I uh, have been involved some with uh, with with all, all of those recently over the past couple of years with the political climate and the uh, we uh, we had uh, had Trump out for uh, the, or I say we Country Thunder which is a huge uh, huge facility we have uh, uh, it's like a country western Woodstock and <laughs> we'll, we'll have farmland that will go from bare farmland to Thirty. I think this last year we had 35,000 people, and four nights you have some of the big headliners, and uh, and then uh, they uh, they hosted a a Trump rally, and so uh, the the team asked me to go on stage with Alveda King and and do the prayer, and I was honored to do that. And uh, uh, now Trump keeps calling, asking me to be his running mate, and it's kind of (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) I said, you know. If you kind of can stop tweeting, we'll talk. And and he hasn't called back. Um, <clears throat> but but we're, we're we're living in in these these un, unprecedented times, and I, I think for the church to understand that that that's the culture we're called to reach. So the the apostle Paul wasn't uh, um, hesitant to go up Mars Hill and have people who didn't agree with him and and say you know we need to. Uh, talk about what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And uh, you, you look at the early church, they were in the midst of not just opposition, but persecution. And the Bible doesn't say what you need to do is uh, uh, run off to the mountains and uh, live in a cave and isolate yourself. You need to be salt and light to that community because they're lost and because they're oppositional. I... Uh, I'm too close to Waco to. to I, 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 I'm already halfway there, I, I, or, or had to end, in the converses. So I had a, a friend of mine. I've, I've got a, a ranch. We, we've got a place in, in Coolidge, Arizona. We've got a ranch up in near Prescott, so we're building it, and and, and uh, uh, we're going to do some outreach things from there, equine therapy things. And so, so I, I said, you know what we need to do? I said if we could just build a wall around it, bury some buses. And call it the Ranch Davidian. I think, <laughs> I think it would be marketable. And uh, they rolled their eyes, so I'm sure they agreed. Uh, but some sometimes, and that was a tragedy. So there's kind of a, um, so I, you know, that was why halfway through I thought I shouldn't really say that. Um, but that's sometimes what we think. You know, what we need to do is we just need to get away and have a compound and have you know. And, and just be do, do our thing. When the almost the opposite is true, Jesus is saying you need to go out into the world. The church becomes an integral part because it's a place where we become healed and 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 whole, and we become challenged and. Uh, we become equipped to do something outside. Um, I, I, I liken it like this, and, and I've been training wild horses for a, a number of years, Bureau of Land Management Wild Horses, and, and developed a program to, to do that. Um, but I would tell people, you know, when, when we talk about, oh, what we need, if we can just get culture into the church, we'll be okay. It would be like me saying, if I can get wild horses into the barn, we're okay. The, the, the church is the place for things to happen. So if we can get equipped to go out. Now, I think it's great if they come in. Uh, and you say, you know, if, if, if you can get in and, and Pastor Allen can pray for you, man, that'd be great. But there's another aspect. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. But, but I, I want to. there's another aspect of that. And that is for you to recognize that you don't just go to church. You are the church. And you're to go into that same lost, hurting culture and be the hand of Jesus extended and be his body to a lost and hurting world, uh, then we're beginning to grasp the, the Great Commission. We are in a culture where uh, people that are coming to church will be disillusioned. You look at the economy, it can get scary. You you look at, at crime. My background was uh, was in law enforcement as a police officer in Arlington, Texas years back and and uh, was in law enforcement for a number of years. Uh, you look at, at, at crime and the defunding the police, the, the ramifications of that are, are part of this next generation, if not really a significant part of the current generation. The the energy situation uh, uh, you guys are sitting on uh, in Figuratively speaking, a, a, a lot of the Texas is a, a lot of the answers for some of that. But you look at uh, at, at some of those issues and uh, and, and the movement uh, in in that area, uh, international disasters, the pandemic, and and uh, educational catastrophe, where there's not enough time to educate the kindergartners because we have to allow time for the drag queen schedule to come in. And, and, but, you know, we, we have to look at the reality that, that the, the end result of that are, are people who are in culture that we're called to reach. So it becomes a, an, an enormous challenge, uh, the deterioration of, of morals, the, the rise in the LGBTQ uh, culture, astronomical rise, there's a there's, uh, uh, lot of uh, theories on, on why, but however you feel about that, the reality is there can be a lot of disillusioned, hurting, wounded people in culture that we're called to reach. The the truth is, you say, well, I, I, I think they're just pursuing happiness, as of right now, there are at least 72 gender identities. Why that many? Well, because one didn't work. You know, man, I did this, I did this, I'm this, and and I'm, I'm still not happy, and I'm supposed to be happy. That's the whole, you know, so something needs to happen to make me happy, and so then we say, well, I'm not this, I must be binary. Well, binary didn't make me happy, I must be trans. Well, trans didn't make, so, so after a while, we just have all of these, these identities, the it's, it's interesting in, in that area, just the, the gender area. That's the one of the few areas where biblical Christianity, medical science, Darwinian evolutionists will all agree. Biologists, so that's one issue that we say, you know, we just speak truth to the situation. It's not that I need to get my, my, my banners and pickets and go, I, I, I speak truth to the situation. So this whole culture of um, we're, we're entitled, that's the culture that's coming into the church. we If we understand, we talked a little bit about this with the guys last night, the, the Bible says we're slaves. You don't have a slave saying, excuse me, but I'm entitled to, this doesn't happen. So if if we're slaves of righteousness, and so at some point I lose my rights, and so you're gonna have people coming in that say, "Man, I I, I deserve this, I deserve that." So <clears throat> what's happening to youth, and and it's it's much of it is horrific. The the church has to prepare for lost, hurting, disillusioned people. It's a self-centered obsession. So so it, it's just this idea that you must celebrate me. Anything less than celebrating me is hate. And if I'm not the sinner, if I'm not happy, then something must change. And the truth is, what we fail to look at is, I don't, what happens, I I need to change. And the change I need to have is to get out of myself, beyond my... Myself and, and and it it is that that is not easy for a culture to hear. So um, the culture that uh, is prevalent today goes counter against uh, common sense. Goes counter against scripture. I, I believe we're living in in one of the most challenging times in history. Certainly in our nation. But I believe we're living in on the threshold of one of the most exciting times for the church to be salt and light. You know, if you look at all of this thing and all of what I just talked about, uh, you, you look at that as being part of culture. There's not one of those issues that the Bible doesn't address. There's not one of those issues the Bible doesn't have the answer to. There's not one of those issues that, within itself, is going to sustain itself long term and cause happiness. So. Uh, what is the church supposed to do? What are Christians supposed to do? We're supposed to do exactly what we've always been called to do, that is be a healing agent to the world and seek and save those that are lost and realize that there are people who are hurting and lost, and sometimes they have the, the face that says I, everything's, everything's fine. So <clears throat> the church has to get back simply to what we are called to do and who we're called to be. So I mentioned we're to be, we're to be salt and light, we're, we're to be Christ's hand extended. Uh, Ian, I don't know if the, if the quote was, was uh, um, from Ian Thomas or if he was quoting somebody, but in one of his books, <clears throat> he said, I am recovering the claim... That Jesus Christ was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. I'm recovering the claim that Jesus Christ was crucified at a, at a crossroad so cosmopolitan they had to write his title in three languages. So I'm, I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was crucified at a place where, where soldiers gambled and thieves cursed and sinners talked smut. He was crucified at that place because that's who he died for. That was a great point. Wow. Yeah. Jesus was crucified at a, at, a, at a crossroad where it was a mess because that's who he died for. And we're called to be his hand extended to that culture the the great commission Jesus said go into all the world and and preach the gospel. The, the Bible also says compel people to come. So uh, I'm not saying we don't invite people to church. I'm saying that we are the church and the the significant part of that is you will encounter people who will who will not come to church. But they may well talk to you in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just like that, he said, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. In a world where things are built on uh, artificial, fabricated things, the church has always been able to stand on what's genuine. Uh, solid upon this rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. One of the things with with being salt and light to culture is you're you're standing on a solid rock and, and you're able to reach out and grab somebody who's sinking in the sand, saying, God, thank you. For the grace of God, I'd be sinking. And I've sunk before. God, help me to not ever become arrogant and condescending, but help me become loving and gracious and give people hope. <clears throat> We're called to be a, a place of healing and, and wholeness in a world that is is built more on lies. We have the ultimate truth. Jesus before Pilate, and when they it's the it's a defining moment because he is before Pilate. He is about to be crucified. He's already uh, been tortured. He, and <clears throat> this question: Are you a king? And 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 Jesus said says to him this is so critical he said for this reason i have come into the world and he he says i have come into the world to give truth to testify unto truth he said there's a lie out there i've come to testify against it It, it's a defining moment for him but for Pilate, uh it he as, as often was with Jesus, he didn't answer the question as Pilate wanted him to. As Christian leaders, we have to focus on equipping and, and not entertaining. I, I say that, and I understand that, I, you know, it, it needs to be interesting, so that's not my point. But if the point is, you know, we, we need to have the latest things to entertain, uh, I, most of the events I show up at, I'm, I'm riding a horse. Okay, that's going to be, you know, so I can't say, you know, don't entertain anybody. I, I, I'm in the middle of country thunder. There's, the, I mentioned like thousands of people. I've got Cowboy Church in the middle of that. Um, and uh, and it, it's all about entertainment. I wrestled with that because I thought, God, I, I don't want to just be, you know, doing this thing where I'm condoning or entertaining and, and really kind of had to work through that. but And, and I realized that uh, <clears throat> Starbuck was much more famous than I was anyway. So I, you know, it's uh, uh, my, my horse. Uh, uh, when, when I was pastoring, we had, a we had, I don't know how people we had a few hundred people there at, at Hope Chapel. So I show up with a horse. We went from eight to 800 uh, outside in a short period of time. I thought, hey, maybe it's not me. Um, <laughs> So there is something uh, about uh, ha- being interesting and, and engaging, uh, but but the point is that uh, we are to minister Christ. We are to be pliable. We're we're to be flexible in His hands. So uh, we have to we have to rethink what what church really is. So we have to move beyond religion, focus on people. So I, I, I want to talk about mainly the Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. So, so Jesus is en is, um, route to different locations. that we uh, King James, we must needs go through Samaria. He said, so, so you know, guys, we're going to have to go through Samaria. So he gets to Samaria, gets to where uh, Jacob's well is, and he says, I'm going to stay here. The guys went in to get some uh, uh, supplies, and while he's sitting there, this woman comes up, and this conversation begins, and it's this great model for evangelism. This conversation begins, and this woman comes, Jesus sitting there, he said, could you give me a drink? And so, here's what Jesus could have done. She could have, got, she could have been kind of setting her stuff out and said, hey, I'm Messiah, and you are a mess. <laughs> I, I obviously not just Messiah. I'm a prophet, and I can read your mail, lady. You, you, matter of fact, you should really be glad that I'm even talking to you. That's how big of a mess you are. <laughs> could if he wouldn't have. Instead, he says, could, could I have a drink of water? Why are you asking me for a drink of water? You, you're Jewish, and you, you guys say this, and we say that, and... And so she starts talking about water, and Jesus said, "Well, he said if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because you, you know there's a thirst within you that you can't quench, and 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 this water that I have is everlasting." And she goes, "Oh, oh, that that's the water that I need." It, it's just he found a common interest and said I'd, I'd like a drink of water and suddenly it's not about water anymore it's about her eternity and and her heart and her soul and and he, he says to uh to her he said, uh and he, you know he just kind of let her find her own answers and he'd say you know here I know the marriage situation because so you know it, he he said go call your husband she goes ah I don't I don't I don't have a husband. He said, I know, you've had five. Ah, I. Then she goes, you, you must be a prophet. <laughs> so so the, the conversation shifted, and none of those issues, what she had done in her past, why she was there, what religion, none of those issues mattered. He just said, there's a thirst within you that needs to be quenched. And she went into town and said, there's this guy there. You know, if if he had started out different, he could have said, you know, I've I've got this track. Have you ever heard of the Romans' road to salvation? Let's go through this. uh, um, (laughs) One, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, except for me, all have sinned. so, so, So he could have started down that road. And she would have went into town and said, if you're going to the well, hang on for a couple of hours. There's a kook up there. <laughs> Instead, she goes into town and says, you guys got to hear this guy. You got to hear him. And the whole town starts coming out. And, and, the, and Jesus says to the disciples, to get there. And he said, look, the, the, wheel, the, the, the fields are white for harvest. It's just a a great message of evangelism. I, I got thrust into culture. Um, I, I, I was uh, I was in ministry for a couple of years. Uh, Alan and I were at Southwestern together. And uh, my second year, I uh, I left. I got disillusioned. I, I thought preachers are just people who want just ego and money and so all those things, I had some reason to believe that, but I, I reacted, thought I'm gonna go back into law enforcement, which was my background, and I go back into law enforcement, applied for Arlington Police Department, Texas, got hired, uh, and was like a couple of months before academy, they said, uh, my lieutenant came out one day, so I got to know the lieutenant, he said, Randy, he said, we, we've been talking about you, and we got a guy coming out, we keep one guy deep undercover. And so we wonder if you would go deep undercover out of the academy. In the academy, I grew my hair out as long as I could. Got out of the academy, I, I grew grew beard and had an earring and and uh, uh, started working deep undercover. So I went from being disillusioned in ministry to working undercover, immersed in culture, and it it was it was quite a ride. I used to tell people, undercover narcotics is 90% boredom and 10% sheer terror. You don't, you know, you don't have that, uh, and uh, so I, I was working, worked undercover for for quite a while, and everything kind of came crashing in, and I realized I had to had to really get back to what I was called to to do, or get back to whatever it was that God had for me to, to do. But it was, but that changed my, my view of culture to an extent. It wasn't in, in a sense of condoning. It wasn't because of the, well, I'm okay, you're okay. It was a it was a, a sense of, as, as believers, there's something we have that's truth. And we, we live in this world that is trying to find happiness, trying to find peace. The, the brand new um, drug that was out, when I started working undercover, I could buy marijuana, all that. I didn't. I, I just, you could buy it too easy and it was not really affecting drug trade. Unless somebody walked up and said, hey, you want to buy a lid? I said, well, that's stupid. Sure. Um, but the new drug that was out was a drug called crystal meth. By the time I transferred out of working undercover, I could buy crystal meth as easy as I could buy marijuana. It just, it just exploded on the scene. Um, and people were, what were they looking for? They were looking for something to take the pressure off of the fact that they, they weren't happy, they didn't have peace. It's the same today. In the, I, I uh, uh, started the wild horse inmate program at the state prison. If I'd removed drugs from the equation, I would have had very few inmates in the program. We had about 35 inmates total, um, about a thousand horses, uh, maxed out. It would fluctuate, um, had, had horses in training had a number of, of documentaries. If you get a chance, you can, if you Google my name uh, and Wild Horses or Wild Horse Program, inmate program, Arizona, tons of documentaries. These guys' lives were radically, radically changed. And one of the one of the great things, which goes to what what this great commission is, is I, because I worked for the state, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't my program. I developed it, you know. But um, I I. Couldn't talk about uh, faith. Couldn't talk about the Bible, which really was great because they watch your life. And they would start asking. Once they asked questions, I could answer questions. So a number of the guys' lives were were really really changed. So, so what what happened uh, in in the situation where Jesus is is confronting or confronting is not the word but certainly ministering to this woman uh, he he simply got down to to her level where she lived if that makes sense just really this is where she where she lived and he just began to talking to her like a real real person refused to get caught up in in theologically well you you guys worship there you we worship here you 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 guys you he said doesn't matter really does it because we all worship in spirit and truth, anyway. It just kind of cut through it all. So sometimes you don't. You don't need to say, "Well, uh, are, are are you pre, post, or mid?" <laughs> <laughs> are, you know, and that, that's like tribulation for those. You know, um, what, what do you think about eternal security? What do you think about losing yourself? What do you do? You, do you know Jesus. Yeah. You know, he, he came to seek and save those who are lost. He'll meet you where you are. Um, I. Uh, I, I've always I, I, I don't like these one-liners, these uh, the religious jargon, and uh, I was was uh, with the uh, uh, this is another thing that I think I probably shouldn't go there. I'm already okay. So was, <laughs> there, there was this this church that uh, uh, I had a close relationship with, but it just got oh, it was like the, the mantra really is what it was was the word blessed. You had to be blessed. He had to say, I'm blessed. We sang, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I am blessed i am blessed do not deserve it, but yet I am blessed. And we're all blessed. How are you doing? I'm blessed. And it just, you know, so that was just like one of the things. They didn't have, uh, everybody in the church, if you had serpentine jewelry, you had to throw it away because it had the word serpent in it. Um, you didn't go on a diet because it had the word die in it, so you went on a It, it <laughs> And... Um, I'll fly away, hallelujah, by and by. It was I'll not die, hallelujah, by and by, and not when I die. So it just I thought, I I this is stupid. I you know, so I I'm I, I can. So I'm in Denny's in Arlington, and this table comes in, you know, this the group comes in, sits at this table, this whole table, and they're all from that church. So they wave, wave. And so I thought, well, I'll go over and say hi. And uh, so I went over and uh they, they said, hi, how you doing? I thought, I know what they want me to say. <laughs> I, I can't do it. And so I said, I'm doing great. How are you? And they said, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <sighs> so I thought, well, here's mine for the year, Lord. I said, so how are you? <laughs> We're blessed kind of like glassy-eyed cult followers. (coughs) We're blessed. So I haven't really repented for for what I did next. Uh, I might need to. I said, well, you know, in the Greek, the word great has a much more powerful meaning than the word blessed. They just kind of silence hit the table. I'm standing here thinking, God, I hope that's true. (laughs) I, I, I... I have no idea. <laughs> so I looked it up. It was close enough to true. It was about the same word, um, but uh, <clears throat> we're not going to, to win the world by catchy little slogans and jargon. We're just not going to do it. Um, I, I had a, a friend that if you asked him how he was doing, he'd say, super, naturally. It was cute, but it was stupid. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I know you're gonna think, Alan, that, that judgmental guy, let's not have him back. <clears throat> it's just this thing with culture where, you know, I, and I think what really did it for me really was, go, was working undercover. Um, b- because you realize, you know, people are, are hurting, and, and it's not that they don't want God. Uh, they just don't understand how to get him, and, and, and they're, they're trying to fill that void in a number of different areas. So so one of the things that we have in front of us is this culture that's coming up, the culture that is here, and really the answer is the same. The answer is Jesus. Um, so resist the temptation to argue about religion and, and, and just ask God to help you kind of muddle through it. You know what you'll do? And, and and this is this is normal. People say, "Well, you know, I was talking to somebody. I I think I just really blew it." You probably didn't. If you do something, it's much better than nothing. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And if you just say, "You know, I I I didn't really have an answer." One of the one of the greatest testimonies in the Bible. This guy is healed, and you know he he he's he's healed when he goes to the pool and he washes. So he has no he's blind, and uh, he has no idea who it was so people were saying you know started interrogating him and it was this guy jesus and you know so finally he says i don't even know whether he was a sinner but the one thing i know is i used to be blind and now i see yeah. that was and they they couldn't argue that you don't have to have all the all the answers and uh, say well you know let's talk about eschatology let's talk about you know say so, you know i used to be blind and now i see We must take Christ to people where they are. The woman at the well came upon Jesus waiting for her. He wasn't waiting for supplies. He was waiting for her. He was at the place where she would go waiting for her to get there, at a place where she was comfortable. Rather than get people to the church, be the church. Uh... Get people to receive Christ. Be Jesus to people. His hand extended. A good friend of mine, Aaron Wilburn. A- Aaron wrote uh, It's Beginning to Rain. The Gaithers, a number of groups did It's Beginning to Rain. Wrote uh, Set Another Place at the Table. Traveled with the Happy Goodmans. Um, he, he, he wrote a song that Bruce Carroll recorded called Who Will Be Jesus. and. Uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron uh, passed away here about a year ago. Uh, great, great friend. But he, uh, the song, Who Will Be Jesus? Here's what the words of the song say. He came home from work last night to find that she is gone. Now he's spending his first Sunday sitting in the pew alone. There are whispers all around him. His heart breaks in two. He's wondering who will be Jesus, who will reach out and help him make it through, who will be Jesus to him, who will show the love that restores him again. He doesn't need a judge, he needs a friend who will be Jesus to him. She has a reputation like the woman at the well, the only love she ever knew was the kind she buys and sells, but her thirsty heart is searching for a love that will be true. The Savior cries for her to see himself in me and you. Who will be Jesus to her? Who will show the love that's commanded in his word? Will she see in us the mighty God we serve? Who will be Jesus to her? There, there are right now, not just the culture coming up, but right now there are wounded people everywhere. And they are looking for Jesus. They may not know that. Who will be Jesus to them? who will show the love that restores them again. They don't need a judge. They need a friend who will be Jesus, be an extension of Christ. Everybody needs hope. That's really what Jesus gave that woman. He said, there's water. There's something that you can take where it quenches the thirst inside of you. And here's a woman who needed the thirst quenched. She went back into town and said, you've got to talk to this guy. She had hope. If anyone uh, needs Christ, it is those who probably look like they're the most resistant. Uh, I I had, when when I... uh, when I left working undercover, it, it was I, I went to I had a liaison officer. This is before cell phones, so I had a I would go to a payphone. I had a code name. I would call dispatch, and so they would answer and say, "This is." Uh, hey, my code name. I can't give it to you. No, I was, I'm just <laughs> joking. It was it was Lee. So this is Lee, and and, uh, and uh, it, so okay. And then and then the phone would ring and be my liaison officer. We met, and typically. Behind uh, in the back of an old cemetery downtown Arlington, Um, so everything I I just thought I've I've got to make a decision. So what we do, we'd meet, and I'd have I'd have the my the the drugs, uh, and my case report, and you you did a a field test uh, on the drugs, and so I'd give him all my stuff, and he would take that, it'd go to the lab. It would be a couple of months before they would actually have a case against the guy, so the person never connected with me. And then he would give me money, great deal. I mean, it was it was uh, uh, cash cash expense account. Uh, they give me a car, and uh, so when, when and I, I told you I was kind of uh, not really well. I wasn't really backslidden. I was just angry with the church. So when I went to work for the police department, I'm, I'm already already agreed to go undercover. So the sergeant came in and said he said, "Do you smoke?" I said, "No, I don't." well you're going to have to start no. oh, okay i can i can do that do you drink i said no i don't think. well you're going to have to start i remember as a i think i was 23 it's an awesome job description so far <laughs> <laughs> cuz i was already in rebellion you know so um, so when everything thing everything came crashing in i i, I met with him and i i said i uh, uh, i've got to i've got to get go back into patrol or go into patrol. He said, we, we were working some, a lot of, all the cases were felony cases. And he said, you're, you could write your ticket in law enforcement. He said, you're making a big mistake. I, I, and I, I just knew that that's what I, I had to do. And uh, it, it was at a point where, where I was losing, losing identity with myself. And it was we talked about this a little bit with, with the whole issue of integrity. It's, it's getting that thing in balance. And uh, um, so this guy's name was Rick. And he he had been undercover federal and 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 he so he, uh, he tried to talk me out of it. We had the, the, the next couple of weeks were like a, a roller coaster thing. We were hitting they were hitting places with me inside because we had to get these cases done. So Rick, <clears throat> a few years later, when I started pastoring, he started attending. the The guy got so radically saved. He was one of those guys that had you know he was still working undercover. Just got radically, radically saved. Um, so, but here is he a guy that's saying, you know, you, you you've got a uh, you could write your own own tickets. So, stop worrying about what other people think. Yeah. We we have to be concerned the, the the on the image and all that. I understand that, but stop being so concerned. People say, you know, Jesus hangs out with people who drink and who, you know, he's a wine bibber. It would be the the King James term. Jesus didn't say, "Oh, you know, sorry guys, I really, you know, didn't mean to talk to to people who are who are drinking and prostitutes." He never he never said that. Let them think what they want. Don't worry about what people think. So we said, "Well, well, what would happen if, uh, if somebody saw you walking out of a bar?" Rather than, I wonder what would happen if Jesus walked into that bar. It's a different question. What would happen if somebody saw me talking to somebody who was questionable? What would happen if Jesus went up and sat down with that questionable person and just talked to him? It's, that's really the question that, that we need to ask. I, I, I used to, when I started pastoring, I would do Saturday night I'd get away. I'd usually go someplace and pray, a field or you know just someplace quiet. And I was in my car. I was going up. Uh, uh, it was pastoring in Arlington, and, and there was a bar off to the left, a pretty good-sized bar. Parking lot full. I'm just driving. Something said you need to go in there. Well, I rebuke that thought, you know, because I mean, I'm, I'm Assembly of God. We just, we just command it to be burned, to, to burn to the ground, <laughs> and rebuke it. So, so you know, I I, I just thought no, that, that's God. That's just me. Keep driving. So you need to go in that bar. So about two or three times, i pulled in the parking lot. I'm sitting there thinking, I, I don't. Is this me? Is this you know? What if somebody sees me in there tomorrow? You know, so walk in. Uh, it was I didn't I didn't even want to cope because it's caffeine. I wanted to get home and sleep. So I, the bartender said, "What do you have?" I said, uh, "A Sprite." So he looked at me, gave me a Sprite. I looked out on the dance floor. Here's one of the guys that attended the church that I pastored, dancing with a woman, and it wasn't his wife. And so I thought, well, that must be why I'm here. I have no idea what to do now. <laughs> um, so I stand at the bar, and he, the song ended, and he staggered over to me. Didn't recognize me. Wasn't thinking I'd be there, I guess. So, so he walks up. He's at the bar. Literally, I'm here. He's here. and He orders another drink. And he kind of, waiting for his drink, he looks up and he goes, I don't want to see you. Look back, thought, well, this is interesting. He walked back to his table. And then a little while later, he said, Pastor, <laughs> no, just call me Randy. <laughs> no, just... <laughs> Pastor, so he, I walk over, he, sit down at this. He said, sit down. He said, I want to introduce these people. So this is my brother, my younger brother. I met his younger brother. We really kind of hit it. I talked for a few minutes, and... He said, I'd like to talk to you. He gave me I uh, gave him my card, and left, and thought, well, you know. So a couple of days later, the brother calls. He said, I'm backslidden. I need to get my life right with God. He just really poured his heart out. He's just broken. So we prayed, and he recommitted his life to God. And, and uh, so I thought, well, that was, that was probably why I was there, which, you know, obviously was the case. Another week goes by, and I get a call from the older brother, the one that I recognized in there. He said, do you remember meeting my brother? I said, I, yeah, I do. He said, he died in a car wreck last night. And uh, it just hit me. But w- w- we, we get so caught up on what this, you know, it doesn't matter what people think. If, if, if we say, you know, somehow, just in the right place, at the right time, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guy in heaven. Uh, so what, what, so when, when Jesus is dealing with this issue, um, of reaching people, it was it was always about the the person, not about the not about religion, not about style, not about this method. It was always about people. We are called to give people hope. Jesus said to this woman, whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, sir, give me that water. We have an unshakable God. It's an unshakable church. And I, extraordinary times, extraordinary people. You're the extraordinary people. You have no control over the extraordinary times, but we're living in some pretty exciting times. And God says, boy, this, this culture desperately needs love and grace and salt and light. And if we can get into to the, the, our, our, our... All of you have friends and coworkers and people that you interact with. You don't have to have some big method. Just live your life Genuinely in front of them, and be willing to let God use you as His hand extended, His voice extended, and it's amazing what what He will do. Uh, I I look back, you know, the the I have ended up uh, doing cowboy cowboy church traveling, uh, ministering in uh, horse training clinics and cowboy churches. It's just amazing the doors that get opened. But I was in uh, France, uh, this last year, Denmark, Colorado, um, getting ready. To, the The president of Uruguay sent two people up to uh, uh, Arizona to look at our program. And so I'm, I'm making arrangements to get down there and, and spend some time with there. And they they're Christians, and it's it just I, I just look at that and think God, I couldn't have orchestrated this in a in hundred years, uh, but somehow. It's just saying, and, and I'll do that. God, you know, this is very humbling, but just keep me from doing something stupid. Uh, you know, that's, I've, I've I've prayed that for years. Yeah. <clears throat> so, as we close in prayer, um, I, I want you to, every person here. Your, your your personality is different. Your purpose is is, is, uh, is really the same, but your personality is different. How you do things are different. But I would encourage you to, rather than look at the news and get all angry, and it's it, you can get angry. Rather than look at the news and get get angry and and condescending and judgmental, say, God, this culture so needs Jesus. God, how can I do do something, or what can I do to to get you in the middle of this? Because the the people who are hurting just need Jesus to sit down with them. And, and God, I, I don't have all the answers, but I can sh- certainly sit down with them and just show them love and grace and, and truth. So I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be this touchy-feely thing. Uh, sometimes truth is hard to hear, but you say, God, help me to, to do what I need to do. So we're going to close in a word of prayer. Uh, the first thing, I, I don't know, I, I, I would assume that probably... Uh, most, if not all of you, are, know Jesus as your Savior. And that's where it starts. God, Jesus needs to be the center of all that I am. And God helped me to walk through that in my own personal life, my own personal struggles, my own personal issues. Um, y you, you say, well, Randy, I, I, I've accepted Jesus. I've already done some stupid things. God would rather hear you say I'm sorry a thousand times than I quit once. He, so you say, God, I, I, I'm sorry. Help me get it right. God, I, I need you to be the center of everything. So so let's just pray. God, I, first of all, I thank you for Alan and Michelle. I thank you for... Grace Place. Thank you for this amazing church. Thank you, God, for all that you've called them to do. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this church in, in every way. But God, I, I pray that you would minister to each individual. I pray for those who, who just need to have the fullness of Jesus come into their lives and, and have it, uh, this void. That they say that needs to be filled. And uh, God, I pray for those who, if there's anybody who doesn't know you, that, that, that they would come to you today and in and, and, and just in complete surrender. God, I pray for those who have just started out and, and battling with their own addictions and sins and struggles that they failed. And I pray that you would minister to them that that you don't have a plan b you just have another great plan a uh and god i i pray that you administer reconciliation and healing and if if you're here and that applies you say i i, I just need i need to deal with some things and i need god to deal with some things in me nobody's looking around just between me and you and god just spying up lifting hands say randy would you agree with me and for anybody else the number is anybody else you say randy i need I need God to come and be the center. So we're all going to pray this together. All right? Would you just repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you, God, that you've called me to be your hand extended. God, I repent of my shortcomings, my sins. I pray, God, that you would forgive me that you would heal me, that you would empower me. God, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And God, I give you the reins to my life. Ask you to take over. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.